Hello and welcome to the Jersey Podcast, the Independent Rangers Podcast, made for fans by fans, and where the content is absolutely free. Um, welcome to another flagship show this Sunday night. Um, there's a facil- familiar sight at uh, Ibrooks today. Um, another victory over Celtic, another victory, another clean sheet. Um, but this time it was the Scottish Cup. We beat our old foes, swatted them aside two 0 um, an impressive performance. It was an overhead kick from from Stephen Davis and uh, a John Joe Kenny own goal, which saw us through on another straightforward day at Ibrooks. Um, tougher tests ahead, though, and uh, we play the only other team to win a major trophy this season um, in the next round in St Johnston, who who will also face on on Wednesday night in the build up to that game. Um, so loads to go through tonight. Uh, joining me to chew over today's action. And uh, we'll also look at a few of the other talking points for the weeks ahead. Um, Alec Anderson and uh, Glasgow Times reporter Chris Jack join me tonight. Alec, how's it going? Not bad, mate. Not bad. Feeling uh, feeling pretty historic. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you'd be pleased. And obviously, with the, with the good weather this weekend, I know you'd have been out yesterday setting fires and vandalising things and getting a chase for the police. Yes. Yes. And uh, that that's that's continuing this evening as well. Just in, just interrupting that for a wee hour. Uh, to come on here, do do my bit for the Jersey boys, and then I'll be I'll be back on it as soon as this is finished. Yeah, you're a good man, Chris. You were you were one of the the select few that actually um, attended the game in person today. Uh, who was it? It was good, much like the other old firm games last season. A really strange and surreal experience. No matter how many games I go to behind closed doors, there's just something really strange about an old firm game when there's. There's nobody there. You kind of get used to it when it's your mothers and your hibs and your Achilles and stuff and you're, you're kind of accustomed to the whole routine now. Old fun games should just feel different and feel special and have that kind of buzz about them. Be able to you know, drive into Albion at, at half one and walk up to the front door at two and not see MD and then get in and there's no, there's no build-up, there's just no buzz. The players come out and there's no crowd there. It's a really strange a strange experience. Hopefully, we've only got one more to go before we can uh, get the fans back in for, uh, for next season and uh, try and do these games properly again. I suppose, I mean, you've still got the same trolls in your Twitter mentions, regardless of fans there or not, no? Uh, it's been fairly quiet today, actually. It's <laughs> fairly quiet all season. I, I don't know the difference between this season and the last 10 years I've been written off, but there's something about this one that's, that's kept it fairly quiet. Fair enough. Uh, well, I get straight into the action tonight, Alec. Um, I suppose we'll, we'll, we'll just chew quickly over the actual result and the significance of it, I suppose. But, you know, it's another... I don't know how you felt, but going into the game... I felt for a for an old firm game, especially one that um, there'd been a full week of of a so called build up. You know, it, it's, it seemed very quiet. I felt I thought there was, you know, in the usual platforms, it wasn't quite as magnified as it normally is, and a wee bit subdued. And I think as well with the with the change of the kickoff time and all that kind of stuff, maybe maybe played it played a part in that. But I mean, it's another big game, another big victory for us. And again, it looked like you know we were comfortable. Yeah, it was absolutely massive. Um, the game and the result, the build-up, as you say, felt a bit muted. I know a lot of that's to do with um, Prince Philip's passing. Um, is, is keeping the, you know, the the kind of headlines um, all connected with that, as opposed to we're not spending the, the, the usual amount of time we would in the build-up. But I think, as, as Chris was alluding to, I think a lot of it was also to do with the fact that Rangers are heavy favourites. And I think a lot of people that are normally quite noisy um, about these kind of games, I've been, I've been keeping quite quiet. Um, it's absolutely momentous today, uh, David. I can't really put it into words. Um, I think the fact that there's no crowd there, uh, as Chris is saying at the games, 
doesn't really help with it when it comes to digesting it. It all looks a bit muted at the end, but we just we, we can't ignore the significance uh, of what's happened here. Um, we're going to go into um, whether we win the Scottish Cup or not, but uh, that is that is although it's very closely related to what happens today, uh, that is a separate subject. Um, this today was all about stopping Celtic um, and uh, being us that, that do it. I think. Um, if you even like last season, I think when Copenhagen beat Celtic in the Europa League in the night after we'd won in Braga, not many people realised that was the first time that Rangers, not the first time any Scottish club had gone further in a competition in any competition in Celtic um, since 2016. Um, and this year, obviously, the title, well, that, that, that speaks for itself. That was just wrapped up in, in record quick time. But even then, you could possibly say, you know, um, if Celtic could still have won the league despite the results between us in the Old Firm games. Um, if they'd won every other, other game, they could still have claimed the title. Um, we're not going to talk too much about the League Cup, the fact that we went further in the League Cup than Celtic this season because of, because of how that ended. Um, it's nothing to be too proud of. But it's today just kind of confirms we, we are now putting Celtic out of competitions directly. We did this ourselves today. We, we put Celtic out of the Scottish Cup. We've taken the 10 off them. Um, I've stopped our, our potential five uh, in, in the Scottish Cup um, and it underscores what we achieved uh, with the league title. I think from our own personal point of view, just looking at it from a Rangers point of view, you could say uh, there's a slight worry that we might down tools and, and understandably so after the momentousness of, of 55. That was a, a drain on all of us as supporters. So it's obviously a drain on the club and the players uh, psychologically. Um, particularly after it's going out of Europe, that seemed like a bit of a reaction to that was, was part of the reason we lost to Slavia. Um, but I think we, we're also hearing a lot of stuff coming from Parkheads, their caretaker managers, kind of hinting that they think this is a, the, the, the league title was almost a blip um, in Celtic's domination. And what would have happened today, had Celtic won today, it would give them a chance to link up to what they did in December, because they only won last season's Scottish Cup in December. We've been trying to link up our history with what happened uh, before 2012 as a mammoth task for us, so... Uh, to actually put Celtic out of that cup today, it means, number one, we want this season to be all about us right to the end. But what we've done today is we've ensured it's not about Celtic and our greatest rivals are kind of, there now could be no doubt that we've uh, we've knocked them down to second in the pecking order. We are we're number one in all fronts now. Yeah, Chris, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to, to have a quick chat about this just before we go into the finer points of today's game. But there was a lot. There was a lot said in the build-up, and we know all the the sound bites that were coming out of the Celtic camp, and you know whether John Kennedy's comments were taken out of context or not. Who really cares? But the the thing that I couldn't get my head around was this idea that in these old firm games this season that they they've been better than us in the last game and the game before and that proves somehow that, that they're a better team. I, I would I would counter that argument by saying out with the first game where we completely controlled it, I don't think Rangers in either of those last two games at Parkhead and at Ibrox at Christmas, we were anywhere near a level that we've been in some of the best performances this season. So in both games, especially that one at Ibrox in January, we were nowhere near sort of top form and I think maybe today you saw us a bit closer to where we can play and Celtic, you know, I don't think they were any any worse um, or any better today than they were in the, in the previous two games. Other than Celtic taking confidence from the last two in terms of them thinking they play slightly better, uh, I would have thought they were taking that as a bit of a negative because they knew then that Rangers weren't, weren't at their best and Celtic still couldn't beat them. They had two cracks at a Rangers team that were nowhere near the level that we've all seen them be at 
at various points over the season and they still couldn't get over the line against Rangers. I think that switch from like Gerrard's first two seasons, I think the Ryan Jack game, Parkhead game, there's a feeling that if Rangers were going to beat Celtic in, in those first couple of seasons, Rangers really had to be at it. You needed eight, nine, ten players to be seven, eight, nine out of ten. Everybody had to be on it. Think Things had to go your way. Rangers are now getting results in these games, being nowhere near the team that we all know they can be. So as much as Celtic might think, well, no, we played well in the last one and we controlled that spell and we had chances at Ibox and no, your goalkeeper made all these saves. Well, the goalkeeper's in, in there to make saves. That's not justification of you, you being the better team. Rangers, throughout the course of the season, have proven that they're the better team. Showed again this afternoon they're the better team. Uh, and I, I just don't get where, where Celtic are taking this, uh, taking the confidence from. It's been a, a wretched, horrible campaign for them. They've got what they deserved out of it. And Rangers, if they can go on and win the Scottish Cup, will get what they've deserved out of it. Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to the to the sort of next rounds and things like that, Alec. But in terms of that, the start of the game, the way Rangers started the game and that first goal, um, you know, you look at the, I mean, fantastic play by by Ryan Kent, first of all. Plays out to Morelos, Morelos gets it into um, Aribo and then it just it all happens so quickly. And then the next thing you know... Um, Stephen Davis is popping up at the back post with an overhead kick. Uh, I thought it was offside initially, just because the reaction of the players. I think some of them thought it was, but quite clearly onside. And I mean, what a start uh, to the game! Yeah, um, absolutely fantastic. Um, I think the, the, the key moment for everybody, um, well, the actual the, the finishing strike itself by Stevie D, which I thought was a kind of um, so. I know you don't like that, David. Sorry, Stephen Davis. You don't like the. I go into nickname mode as if I'm a teammate. I has deluded myself. Um, I, it was more of a wee, I think it's a, being a man of diminutive stature, he can he can hook the ball over his shoulder. I think it was being talked about as if it was a kind of a pelly bicycle kick, um, but no less no less brilliant for it. But the key moment, obviously, is, uh, is Ryan Kent um, when he leaves Scott Brown. And I don't know, there's a, there's a famous quote, Chris probably knows this, being a, a proper journalist. Um, I can't remember the, the, the source, but it's it's the way when then when I, when Hungary in the match of the century when they hammered England at Wembley in the fifties the they, they beat them six three at Wembley. Puskas does a drag back which leaves an England defender. I think it might even be on uh, might even be Alf Ramsey, but looking like and then the quote is um, a fire engine rushing off to the wrong fire, and that's exactly what uh, Brown looked like today. And I think about the the only other time in my lifetime that's, that Rangers have played Celtic in the Scottish Cup at Ibrox. Uh, was when Bruni did his famous uh, or infamous goading of El Hadjouf, and I thought for his last game in the Scottish Cup that was quite that was quite a beautiful thing for Ryan Kent to do. Um, but even it's it's the build up. The only two times times I thought Celtic might have something going in general today was a couple of times that McGregor and Turnbull linked up, and they link up for McGregor to go uh, for Callum McGregor to go piling through on us at the start of that. But Conor Golson, he does overrun it, overrun it slightly, but Conor Golson doesn't just intercept. You know, he, he, like we were doing all day, he plays the ball. You know, he's play, just totally composed. We were doing this in our box when we were under pressure at uh, all points in the game, just determined to keep the ball in the deck. And we play football. The move from Ryan Kent, absolutely sensational. That, that makes a difference. And I think uh, also, I have a funny feeling Stephen Davis, the only reason he was in the box was because he saw you know, Ryan Kent had been taken out and it was, he just takes that position forward. For Ryan going into the box, kind of towards the back post, and uh, I mean Aribo does absolutely fantastically as he, as he does all game, um, but it's just it was just a, a, a fantastic move, clinical finish, and uh, a, a clinical finish, a spectacular finish, 
and it, I think it just spoke of yeah, Celtic had a lot of the ball. They did, you know, they, they created a lot of chances. But when it came to when it came to actually doing the business, we we did what mattered, and we did it. We did it beautifully as well. We were fantastic, and that that goal just summed it up. Yeah, it was interesting when you when you look at the goals, Chris, and, and the way they sort of came about. I thought you know Celtic lined up in that sort of diamond shape, but with the lack of quality they had in the sort of fullback areas, it obviously didn't work. Um, but the, but the second goal, you know, it's a rebound again. He's been so impressive since the turn of the year. And he just it just makes things happen, and you know, albeit it was an own goal, but it was all his great work that that brought it around, brought it around, and you know what a fantastic uh, season he's had. That's that's the type of positions that you want Joey Bo to be taking up, and the type of performance you're looking at a guy of his quality and class to be producing. I've said a few times that I, I don't particularly like him in in that midfield three role, certainly in games against your Celtics, your Aberdeen, your Hibs, if it's a, a Ross County at Ibrox and you have your, your Davis Camara, your Jack Camara, whatever, Aribo can by all means be as one of the three and then be more of a more of an attacking one. In, in the bigger games, I don't like him as one of those in one of those three. I thought today he played really well, played really cleverly. And if, if you just say to him, look, go and go and take the ball, go and win us the game, go and make something happen. That's exactly what he's that's exactly what he's in the team for. He's not really there to do the shuttle runs and, and to try and get cover the ground like your, your Davis and your, and your Kamara and your Jacks do. He's there for a different reason and today you really saw the saw the best of him. Had had lacks out every time uh, he, he went anywhere near him. He just knew he was going to beat him second half, just as impressive. Uh, and I was really pleased for him because I think in, in the old firm games he's sometimes flattered to deceive. He's not really produced the moments that we know he's capable of in these, in these games. But this was certainly a big game performance from him. Yeah, and Chris, I'll stay with you on this one, but we we sort of discussed off air, you know, when you look at the game, we'll come on to the, some of the later sort of flashpoints, but, but, you know, there's a potential to have scored a couple more even in that first half. I think that's probably the one, probably the only frustration from a Rangers point of view this, this afternoon. I think Celtic were there for a 3 or 4. It's not going to be a 6 now type, type of job now. Old firm games don't they don't end like that uh, very often, but uh, I think Celtic were there for a, a more comprehensive defeat. But just as we were saying before we uh, came on, it felt like, like a European style performance. Rangers just doing doing a, not doing enough in terms of scraping over the line, doing what needed to be done, and just controlling the game. Now, uh, Stephen Gerrard speaks a lot about controlling games and, and controlling phases of play, much like the Parkhead game. It was controlled, it was smooth, it was composed. Rangers they were never rushed. The, they're not a team that relies on individual moments. They're not a team that relies on the spur of the crowd to get them going. They go out, they know their plan, they're well drilled, they're well coached, and you can just see how, how they can go about their how they go about their business. And there was no need for Rangers to go and try and win three, four now, five now today. Now go in, get your first goal within the ten minutes, get a second goal for half time, job's done. Yeah, and Alec you know, you go into the second half and, and, and Celtic have that have that chance with Turnbull. You know, good save by McGregor. It was going to be the first of, you know, a couple of good saves he had in, in the second half. But, you know, I, I, again, you know, Chris alluded to that wee bit there. I felt like we could maybe have done a bit more in the final third. I felt it was a couple of good bits of play. Um, but, I mean, you know, McGregor shows himself to just be quite a, an astounding goalkeeper at the age he is and the penalty save you know we discussed it when, when they got it and I'll maybe get your view on on whether it was a penalty or not Colin Colin and I had a bit of a discussion about it earlier he didn't think it was but I could sort of see why 
Madden gave it. I think you saw the replays. You, you could see why why he gave it as a penalty from that angle. But you know, when Edward stepped up, you you sort of had. I think with McGregor, you know, unlike many goalkeepers, you, you sort of have a half a feeling that he's going to he's going to save it. You think there's a good chance. Um, whereas you know Fodringham, who I didn't mind as a goalie, but you never really felt with him that he was an imposing figure that goalkeepers were going to second guess themselves running up. But McGregor, you get the feeling that he's sort of in their heads already, and that was just one of a couple of fantastic saves that he made in in the game and showed himself to be just a, a invaluable asset. Oh, yeah, and it's as, as Chris was saying uh, at the beginning, we're talking about some of the reactions we're getting uh, to our form this season uh, from across the way. Um, it, it's as if suddenly a goalkeeper saving things is you know that that that's something that, that that's lucky, you know it's it's no it's it's part of the, it's part of the team that's every bit as vital as scoring other goals. I was I don't think I've ever screamed at a, a, a screen so much in my life. Finish it, Rangers! Just finish it. You know I was wanting that third goal that I knew would because it wasn't just about finishing that game today. It was about finishing you know Celtic's domination officially of Scottish football. Um, but when Alan McGregor. When they got that penalty, which, yeah, technically, technically it is a penalty, but very, very soft. And if that's a penalty, then we should have had one straight afterwards um, for a rebel being brought down uh, uh, in the box in the same manner, kind of clutching on his arm. Um, but as, as soon as as soon as uh, Edward stepped up to take, I was thinking this could be how we finish it. And in that way, that that way of like it's a, it's a historic moment. We're trying to end a period of domination. It actually reminded me of uh, Chris Woods. Um, in 1989, we won at Parkhead for the first time in, in, in nine years. And we were 2 nothing up. First, same thing. We were 2 nothing up at half time. We had played Celtic off the park. Could have scored a few more. Um, and Andy Walker scored the first minute of the second half. And it was backs to the wall. And it got to the last minute. And we're thinking, yeah, we're still not going to... You know, they get the penalty. And Chris Woods, who um, Alan McGregor is now even better than. Um, he, he saved it and that was it. That was the moment. Instead of getting the goal, we just... We kind of... We kind of kicked the kicked them in the ribs. Uh, I thought it was it was a great moment. As I was saying uh, off air beforehand, it wasn't just that he saved the penalty. It was it, Alan actually looked like he he looked like he changed. He, he, he was kind of watching it mid kick. He didn't just he didn't just guess. He didn't just gamble. He kind of thought, "Are oh, you going to go that way?" And then just threw himself down onto the ball. A bit like uh, he'd already had a taste of that with the El Yunusi chance, where he took it maybe a touch he shouldn't have, and Greg's just. You know, for an older man, he goes down really fast when he's got. He, he just kind of leaps at the guy's feet and gets the ball away. Um, and when he had a you know fairly quiet first half, didn't have as much to do in the first half to come out and do that from the opening seconds. I mean, as you say, that that shot they had, Tumble had straight away was you've dominated the first half. Celtic come out, credit to them. Brunman's a 50-50. Um, and they've got a shot on cracking shot on goal, and we're ready for it. We're just, just ready for everything they threw at us, um, and we, we ate it up, and we, uh, we kind of spat it out. Yeah, I, I always look back, Chris, to the the game that sticks in my mind from those years. Sort of when we get promoted back to the top flight, and we were we were finding our way. It was the game at Ibrox when we lost three two, and Edward scored, and it was Murray in charge, and you just felt that day. You know, is it, are we ever going to beat them? in the league again is it ever going to happen because that was our best opportunity Morel is missing from a yard out and so much of that was all psychology I think and it was the players not giving that extra yard because they felt they were beating their own heads Um, now you look at it now and we're playing you know Celtic at at 
Ibrox, where a, a manager who's just won the league, a manager who's been there for his third season, um, up against a caretaker coach, basically, um, at Celtic, then they, you know, we were deservedly 2-0 up. Second half, they come in at the game a wee bit, McGregor pulls off a, a couple of good saves, and then penalty, you know, and it, it must, the psychology is, is quite remarkable considering there's only three years of difference and, and look at the, the difference between sort of where we were and where we are now and generally do you think that's reversed? Do you think that sort of that them, are they now the ones that are thinking how how do we beat this team? Certainly no no fear factor in these games for Rangers anymore during that spell that you mentioned they're going into these games hope, hoping to win but knowing the best they could do is going to be a good damage limitation job. You knew that Celtic were far, far better than us and you had a better manager, better players, the Ross and Crestia Wave, now with the silverware silver that we're going for. That's just not the case anymore. Rangers have nothing to fear in these games. That's not to say they're going to win every single one. Celtic could easily have won today. They could come to Ibrox in a couple of weeks and they could win that one. But Rangers don't need to fear going into these games anymore. They know they're not going to be on the end of a 4 0 5 0 like they have been in the past. That's just not going to happen. If they're going to lose these games, it's going to be lost by by the odd goal, it's going to be lost by Celtic just playing better than us on the day. It's not going to be because they've been outfought and out, outclassed. And that that's the biggest, probably the biggest change that Stephen Gerrard has made. It's a it's obviously a, a quality thing in terms of the, the actual guys on the on the part. It's a mentality aspect as well. And the, the whole mentality, the whole psyche of the of the team and of the club and perhaps even of the support has really changed since those days and the, the work that the managers done in that regard just been incredible. Yeah. Um, Alec, Chris was obviously at the game, so he didn't have the the pleasure of of seeing the the coverage, um, especially after the game. But to give Premier Sports their dues, out with me my stream going down with ten minutes to go, which was a good time. Uh, so I missed the last ten minutes, couldn't get back on. Apart from that, I thought I thought actually the 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 production of it and and the the, the pundits and the mixture and the commentators. I thought it was. I actually thought it was pretty good. Um, what were your thoughts on 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 that? But also, uh, I mean, Gordon Strachan's meltdown after the game was was just TV gold, really, wasn't it? I was kind of concerned for him, to be honest. And I don't mean that in that kind of horrible meme way where people start. Oh, is everybody at home safe? You know, you try to call the guy crazy or whatever. It just. I know we don't like striking, you know, because that's our job as Rangers fans, and he's he had a great time as, as Celtic manager. Um, but I felt as if striking for me was the kind of equivalent of, of Alec McLeish uh, as an old firm manager. If you like, he never patronised the fans by playing up to any kind of I'm Celtic through and through. Just the same as McLeish. Um, McLeish talked about it kind of off camera. His, his, his dad being a Rangers man, not have you, but he never used that to try and get himself in there with the support the same way as perhaps like Michael uh, Martin O'Neill did. Um, and he was very contrary as a character, but it seemed to be a, 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 as, a, as an interviewee, but it seemed to be about um, controlling the media, which, you know, if you're in one of the old firm jobs or the Scotland job, as he, as he latterly was, is, is, is understandable because you're kind of on a hiding to nothing a lot of times with the tabloid. So you've got to, a lot of times he did things to take pressure off his players, quite quite obviously. He would say something particularly controversial, deliberately controversial, which was just maybe to take the heat off a bad result or any of his players getting there. But today I felt, Maybe it was Gordon, maybe it was, in fact, his son, Gavin Strachan, uh, is involved at Celtic. Maybe he was taking it a bit personally. Maybe he was taking a new tact, trying to be a new kind of pundit, you know, because he did actually he did actually kind of 
uh, start off one of his wee rants by saying I'm trying to be a bit uh, a bit different here, take an alternative view. But it just seemed to the the the, the emphasis on Alan McGregor being man of the match, uh, just it seemed really petty and kind of you know it's not something I would expect a striking. Uh, t- to be honest, especially in his especially in his role as a as a pundit, you know, a, a so called neutral, you know, obviously he's, a, he's, he's been at Celtic, um, but no, it was it was quite kind of I found it quite kind of worrying actually, a bit a bit kind of a bit kind of strange. Yeah, it was quite it was quite uncomfortable. I think the the thing that made it more uncomfortable was you could see quite clearly that the likes of Derek McInnes and and um, David Weir, as well as actually John Hartson, you could tell they were all a bit. Kind of worried about what was going to be said next. Well, the thing I would the thing I would say is if if us as, as Rangers fans we are thinking it's just about you know uh, kind of doing down a Rangers victory over Celtic. He was he was he was going stronger against Hartson about who was to blame for um, conceding the second goal. You know, mm-hmm. uh, was it Laxal or was it no? Who, who, Aribo had turned inside out. Laxal or was it Ayer uh, that should have went to it? And he was he was arguing heavily with him as well. And I I felt a bit. It sounds a terrible thing to say. It sounds like being really horrible, but I was I was genuinely a bit concerned for for striking. He seemed he seemed kind of off it. It was quite, what, quite worrying. What I would say, I, th- I thought the actual coverage of of the game and and the coverage of the Scottish Cup in general has actually been really good. And you know, Premier Sports is obviously a, a kind of one of those things that just comes around sometimes for Rangers games in the Cup or in Europe. But but I must say, I, I was really really impressed with the overall the overall coverage and the calibre of of people they had on. Well, it's something that we're talking to Colin. I mean, me and Colin were talking about this. Um, I think Colin called them the, the, the barras of broadcasting, which, you know, I, to be honest with you, I, I thought it was quite, I thought it was pretty accurate, you know, as well as being uh, pretty cool. <laughs> um, but no, I, I I feel as if, number one, we're, more in, we're, we're loving it now because Rangers are winning. You know, I felt as if there could be a few more camera angles today when it came to the, the kind of controversial penalty, penalty decisions. But what... I don't understand about it, other than the fact that they, they're an Irish company. They seem to be using, I don't, Chris probably know more about this than myself, but it seems to be the same people. It's like everybody's a freelancer these days. It seems to be the same, you know, pundits are doing all like BBC, you know, uh, BT, Sky, whatever. And I don't know if it's the same, you know, directors and production managers and camera crews that, that, are, that are also being used by Premier Sport, that are being used by BT and by... The BBC and Sky. So I don't really see why it should be any worse, but unquestionably it has been in the past. Um, but today, um, the only real strangeness for me, other than a few kind of a, f- a few, you know, controversial decisions, I felt could have benefited from a few more camera angles, uh, was uh, was Gordon Strachan kind of going off on one. <laughs> and, and by the way, just just to say that, that the fact that he's, I don't know how you guys feel, you know, um, but I, to, to say that Al McGregor was the man of the match. Um, I just felt as if what summed up Rangers not just today but throughout the whole season is I, I, I thought there was so many contenders for man of the match I thought we were just right the way through I think every single Rangers player today made there was a wee individual mistake you know or two that they, that they made but generally overall I think the man of the match was like the shape and the commitment I thought we were just just tremendous all over the park Yeah I would probably I'd probably go for Nathan Patterson myself just in the context of the game and, and it being his first start in an old firm game and the way he handled himself I thought was brilliant. But we'll, we'll move on, Chris. And, uh, you know, the draw was already made today. We sort of knew who we would play. Um, but that will be St Johnston. I don't know how much you've you've seen of St Johnston this season, but certainly Callum Davidson's done a, a, an unbelievable job there, really considering 
the shoes he had to fill in Tommy Wright and, and the and the constraints in his first season as, a, season as a manager. They've won a trophy, you know, against all the odds. Even in the final, you know, it felt like the whole of Scotland was rooting for Livingston in that final. And they went against the grain there as well and, and, and won the cup. Um, he's done a remarkable job and it, it's going to be a tough tie. It's going to be a really tough week for Rangers. Obviously, the, the game on Wednesday night doesn't quite matter as, as much. Obviously, it's all an important one and one that the manager and the, and the players will obviously want to win. But the cup game, whether it's next uh, Saturday or Sunday, the cup game is the one that they want to win. The fact is that Ibrox makes things slightly easier. We consider how impressive the uh, the home form has, has been this season. But St Johnson ha- have caused us some problems over the course of the season. But that doesn't mean to say that it's not two games that they should be going in and looking to win. And, uh, certainly win well. I think the, the team selections on, on Wednesday will be interesting because also the game at the weekend is the bigger one for St Johnston as well. Uh, Stephen mentioned that after the game that he will make changes. Um, so interesting to see how how, how strong he goes. Uh, but I say when, you, when you're in the run of form that the Rangers are in, there's no reason why you can't be looking to go up to McDermott Park on Wednesday, get another good away win, get another game towards this unbeaten Premiership campaign. And in a game at the weekend, you need no motivation, you need no more, no uh, railing up for it. That's just a, a huge game to go and to go and beat Celtic, and then seven days later not follow up when you've got St Johns at home with the almost criminal from Rangers so I expect them to I certainly expect them to win next weekend uh, and I'd find them to win on Wednesday night as well Yeah like I mean when you look at St Johnston as a team and I mentioned obviously the the achievement of the the cup win but getting in the top six as well you know when it was such a uh, tight affair it shows the they can produce under pressure and they're a, they're a good side you know they've got guys like Sean Rooney in there who's been Fantastic this season. They've got Stevie May up front, uh, Chris Kane, um, you know, a lot of quality in the side. And it, they've given us tough games this season already. So it's, you know, it's not it's not an easy draw by any stretch. No, and I think um, them, them, them sealing the top six kind of uh, dramatic last day cup final style after having won uh, the cup final, uh, the league cup final, the way they did, gives them the feeling of being kind of kind of on a roll. You know, this is it, as we're saying, this is, this is actually a club that's won a domestic cup. Uh, much more recently than us. In fact, they won both domestic cups much more recently than than Rangers. Um, we are trying to beat. We're trying to make them the first team uh, that we beat four times this season um, on on Wednesday. And I'm quite glad about that. I'm quite glad that there can be no that there is St Johnston we're playing on Wednesday. We're not going to wait to Livingston or something on Wednesday. You know, while they're you know somewhere else, and so they can't. There's no real advantage for either team. Uh, in this kind of two-game scenario, there's no kind of chess matches going on. We'll, we'll match each other and who we're resting or whatever. But um, yeah, I think there's the yeah, the only worry is there's a bit of kind of after the Lord Mayor show about you've beaten Celtic, massive game. Um, but as I was saying earlier, and as Chris was talking about with the, the lack of crowd there, I don't think that's a problem. Number one, it's 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 a week later when we play them in the cup. It's just it's just a week later. It's not like when we beat Celtic when we were the last team to beat Celtic in the in the Scottish Cup. Um, we then had like a month to wait before we played uh, Hibs in the final. Um, and a lot of those a lot a few weeks of doing nothing. Um, it's it's the following week, and I didn't see today any kind of uh, kind of over the top emotion from the Rangers players. Because I think that's the thing with us against Celtic these days. It's 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 not just another game, but it's a game we've got so in the bag um, that it doesn't drain us, you know, psychologically or physically to, to beat them. Um, 
And I think we've, we've timed it just perfect. We've got to the stage where, I mean, that's Celtic have only scored one goal against us in the last what, four Old Firm games. You know, Joe Aribo, who we're not, we're not too comfortable with, uh, a, lot of, a lot of Rangers fans aren't too comfortable with, um, and Chris is quite right, we don't like him playing that that role uh, actually in midfield. We want him stepping up a bit as he was today. Um, he's assists for the last three Rangers goals against Celtic at Ibrox. You know, it, it's everything's coming. To, Scott Arfield's come in today. I thought he was absolutely bloody magic. I thought he covered every blade of grass. He was, if you watch the game back, you'll see even when the, Edward has his kind of strange back heel, back of the shin shot over the bar. You know, Scott Arfield was running in there and throwing himself, you know, all over the place on the line and just to, and just to make sure, you know, and his, his backup, him his, knowing when to go and when to stay um, is exactly what Joe Aribo doesn't do when he's in that role. And having him there keeps Aribo on the, uh, on the right-hand side. We, it lets us put Glenn Kamara over on the left, um, which is perfect. Um, we had to, obviously, I think Aribo suffered from uh, Balogun having to play it right back uh, at Parkhead and we had to put uh, Kamara over that side. So the team's coming together. We're really in the zone. Um, nothing's draining us too much um, and yet we seem, we, we seem totally focused so as you know, I've got to agree as Chris is saying that there are no excuses we, we should be winning this game but all respect to St Johnson I just hope that um, making the top six was their second trophy of the season and they're not going to stop us getting in the way of our second trophy this, they're not going to get in the way of us getting our second trophy of the season Yeah, you, you mentioned Celtic goals there my, bro- my brother-in-law Ross he mentioned to me today after the game that Celtic have scored more goals against Celtic than Rangers this season uh, an old firm game so yeah that's a decent start yeah, yeah so thanks for that Ross um, Chris going to play a wee bit of devil's advocate here but Alec mentioned that that cup final in 2016 looking at it on paper and a lot can happen between now and the 20 whatever it'll be in May um, but if if all goes as, as you would expect you know it could be a replay of that 2016 cup final which would be quite quite the occasion even without fans is this you try to line up? Is this the final thing that Gerard has to exercise from the banter years? He's he's beaten Celtic. Exactly. He's, he's he's won the league. He's beat he's beaten Progress Nidacon, and now he's going to beat Hibs. Just just to round it all off, uh, I, I I can see the I can see the reason behind it. You would have to fancy Hibs to get through their tie. I think the other two ties, Kelly Sutton, Aberdeen the United, fairly fairly uh, tight and fairly tricky ones to call. You would fancy Hibs to get through against Motherwell. Obviously, fancy Rangers to get through against Johnson. So. The draw then, the draw then takes all again. As I said earlier, Rangers have to be going and winning this tournament, no matter who who stands between them and uh, them and the trophy over the next three games. They need to be going and win it. So I, I don't think they. I think they've certainly respect every, uh, no matter who they got in the next round if they if they're to get through, and no matter who they got in the final if they're to get through to that on May twenty second. Certainly, offer every opposition the full, uh, full respect and uh, full credit they deserve for for getting there. Uh, but Rangers are by far the best team in the country. They've, they've shown that over the course of the Premiership campaign, they need to go and win in the Scottish Cup now. So, if they can, if they can beat Hibs and e- exercise the demons of that particular day, so be it. I tried to. I know it was five years this weekend since the uh, the Celtic one. We're uh, talking about that in the press room. Everyone while we're waiting on uh, the manager coming in. Uh, Fond memories of that day, less less so the final, which I tried to forget. Yeah, the final was one of my worst days as a Rangers fan. And that may sound uh, that may sound dramatic, but it genuinely was one of the most gutting days ever. Uh, but we won't dwell on that too much. Alec, 
how, how good would it be? I mean, this has been quite an interesting point um, of late. But, you know, they're talking about the Euros and, and getting fans into Hamden for the, Euro, the Euros and how that would then make getting fans into Hamden for the final um, impossible because of the the sort of logistics of UEFA taking over Hamden. Now, I'm not, again, I don't want a, I don't want a um, temp fate, but just, just looking at the Scottish Cup final in general for, for whichever team makes it there, now Celtic are out, would it not make sense to look at potential alternatives for um, hosting the final if it meant we could get fans in or should it take place at Hamden no matter what? Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy for it to take place at Hamden. I'm, I'm maybe speaking as a a spoiled old fan who's been to plenty, you know, just early 50s, I've been to plenty of uh, Scottish Cup finals and uh, League Cup finals and what have you. So maybe it's you know, it's a different matter. As you know, when we were playing, you know, Benfica, Ibrox and Standard Liège and that, I was absolutely devastated. <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't going to games. Maybe it's just because I've, as I say, I've been to enough domestic cup finals. I'm, I'm not too, I'm not too fussed about getting, about getting it would be nice. You know, but uh, and if there's a crowd there, it, it takes the pressure off Chris because obviously, if we do, if we were to get through to the final and beat Hibs, he has to invade the park and then go for the Edinburgh press corps. You know, just to just to get full revenge for 2016. So um, to avoid that, um, maybe we should have the, the fans back in there. Um, it, it, it would it would be nice, but there's almost a kind of if we can't have everybody in, I would rather have nobody in. You know what I mean, and it would. There's enough hullabaloo's before cup finals in terms of allocations, and then even even amongst our own support. You know, because we've got forty thousand season ticket holders usually, and you know there's twenty five thousand uh, tickets available for Hamden. And um, this would just add another dimension to it all altogether. Um, obviously, if we get anyway, if there's any way to get fans in, be better. But it would mean, as we now know, it would mean moving it to to Parkhead, you know, or even having it at, at, at Ibrox, and. And a strange way, we've all got used to seeing this on the telly. It's different for Chris, obviously, he's going to the games as a press man. But we've all got kind of used to watching it on the telly and seeing this kind of strange season getting played out in the usual grounds. Even seeing uh, St. Johnston when they beat Livingston, I watched a bit of that, and they're, they're doing the old uh, the kind of salad bowl thing, kind of buffet with the medals. You just go up and help yourself to your medal. And, um, but it's still at Hamden. It still looks like a cup final. Um, I just... I would want us. I want us to win it. I want us to win it there. But that, as I say, that might be a selfish thing because I'm not. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be anything I haven't seen before. You know, um, if, if if I was if I was to get in. But uh, no, I'm to be honest with you, mate. I'm I'm just more bothered about making sure we focus on St Johnston and getting ourselves into the semi final. So we've got we've got two games at Hamden. Yeah, Frankie had made a good point that I wanted to sort of touch on. I stay with you in this, Alec. Um, but he was he was speaking about you know the the achievement of what this season would represent if we went unbeaten. So if we you know continued unbeaten to the end of the league season, and then continued unbeaten in the in the cup and won that, and where it would rank in the in the greatest ever sort of seasons for Rangers, and you know obviously nineteen seventy two winning the the cup winners cup, um, as well as ninety two ninety three and and what we did that season in Europe. But for you, how how highly in terms of the you know what was at stake and what how how sort of um, how high the expectation was for us to to produce this season, if um, if it continues in this vein, where would it rank for you? 
Yeah, it's it's it, it's certainly up there. Um, I think you've got to look at this two ways. It's like kind of what does it mean to Rangers? Um, what, what does it mean to us as a support and us as a club? I think this is our greatest season ever. I think this is um, to, to win the title this season. It's not. It wasn't about stopping Celtic. That's just a very happy coincidence. You know, it wasn't about stopping them uh, getting their, their ten. A lot of us weren't too convinced about how they'd won their nine. Um, but I really think it was about Rangers just being back. We needed to know that our club had finally come back uh, properly, and this and to do it the way we did it was just unbelievable. If you look at the, I mean, there's a, it's a massive interest across Europe, across the world in this Rangers story and what's happened to us. But if you were to ask the average fan, you know, in you know Ukraine or Argentina, what does it mean? You know, winning the Scottish League title, they're not too bothered. So in terms of looking at an objective, purely objective, what's your greatest ever season? I think I would, I think I would go for 92-93 because you know we won the treble here, massive forty-four game unbeaten run, and we were a better square ball from Peter Hoistra in the velodrome away from reaching the Champions League final, a Champions League final won by Marseille, and exactly the only way I could have imagined Rangers winning that Champions League final against that Milan team. And uh, the fact that we signed Basil Bowley just seemed to kind of sum it up, you know. Um, although, whenever the, the Champions League final, the European Cup final was won in the Olympic Stadium in Munich, one of the goal scorers ends up at Rangers. That's just a wee, wee thing for you. Um, but one of the players ends up at Rangers and Stars. Um, Trevor Francis, 79. Anyway, sorry. I think this is one of our greatest uh, seasons ever. For me, it, and for a lot of other Rangers fans out there, I think it means the absolute world. Um, I think to put it up there with, with 92 93 to beat it um, kind of objectively we've got to finish the league season unbeaten and with us still being the Scottish Cup and the Scottish Cup meaning so much that's that's no small task still because we've got teams you know Aberdeen on the last day will really want to beat us and there'll be a lot of emotion going about that day which could which could confuse us they've got a new manager um, and for us to win the Scottish Cup obviously would play a big part in it as well but uh, the only way I can really define it for me, mate. And today, I mean, t- today that was us beating. We were beating Celtic at Ibrox um, in the Scottish Cup for the first time since I think it's 1964. And that was a great Rangers team, you know, the treble winning team that season. Um, and I think Colin was talking about it in Friday night in the preview pod. We just don't beat Celtic outside Hamden, you know, when it comes to the Scottish Cup. We don't, I think, it's, I was trying to check this, and as far as I can see, I think that's the first time we've beaten them before. Uh, the quarterfinals since 1957, you know, so it was, uh, that was a massive, momentous, historic win uh, today in its own right. But um, in a personal, emotional point of view, I think this is already the great, the, the best ever. And I just want the unbeaten run and the Scottish Cup to seal it, to make sure there's nothing to spoil it, you know, just, just to let us kind of covet it, you know, properly. Um, to give this, to give the, the way we won the league title the respect it's, the respect it's due. Um, but I think... When you get to a goal away from the European Cup final, I think I think that's that's still for me. For me, that's our, that's our best ever season. Yeah, you make a good point about you know the Scottish Cup. It's far from one, um, and uh, a lot of good teams, including St Johnston, still to come. Uh, f- before we we move on, um, just. M- quickly mention our partners at, at Football Prizes who um, this this week are uh, giving you the chance to win a signed top from the 2006-07 season uh, 
Watersmith, Barry Ferguson, uh, all your old favourites. Um, I've signed that shot. Uh, the draw will be made on twenty first of April. Uh, for more info on how you can how you can enter the draw, visit um, Frankie's social media or footballprizes.co.uk um, for all you need to know on that. Um, we're going to go on a wee bit and look at look at the players, look at some of the, the aspects of 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 uh, the team moving forward. And Chris. Gerard's post-match today was quite interesting, I thought. I don't know what he said to you guys, I haven't seen that yet, but I, I watched a wee bit of the, the Rangers TV interview and he was talking about, you know, the importance of Alan McGregor, Stephen Davis, uh, he's, they've tied down James Tavernier, but he made some interesting comments about Conor Goldson and, and Glenn Kamara and how they were trying to convince them that their future lay at the club. But I think namely Kamara, and he mentioned Goldson shortly after that, uh, try to, you know, convince them to sign new deals basically how of your understanding are they likely to sign are they in discussions with the club do you think that will happen in, in the coming weeks or do you think it's going to be one for the close season I think Rangers would like it to happen sooner rather than later not something they want to tick on for, for too long I think Goldson will probably sign I think Kamara will probably be sold I think he's I think he's the the one you're looking at to, to move on this summer and it would it would be a shame you consider how much this team has grown and developed for it to then to start to be broken up after after just one season. I don't think that's the situation Rangers will will find themselves in. I don't think you'll see like a like four, five, six, seven of them being sold to bring in fifty million or whatever it's going to be. I don't think that's how they'll, how they'll go about it. But this model of buy low, sell high, it's all about when you go and sell your prize assets to then reinvest that money back into the back into the team. I think if Glenn Kamara has a a good European Championships, which I fully expect them to do, considering how good a player is and, and the level that he's playing at. That's then that's then your time to sell. I think if Borna Barisic has a good uh, European Championships, again, which I fully expect them to do, you're looking at Croatia potentially uh, getting to the latter stages of that competition. That's then your time to that's then your t- a time to sell him. Goldson, I don't think it's a time to, to cash in on him yet. I think if you could get him tied in another contract, that basically puts money in the bank uh, just adds to, his, adds to his value I think you might get one more season out of, out of Goldson get a crack at the Champions League with him and he's then at, at the age he's then looking at going down south getting a mid-table uh, a Premiership team and that's then his that's in his shot at the Premier League but at the end of the money talks so there's, there's going to be interest in Ryan Kent there's going to be interest in Alfredo again I wouldn't be surprised if there's interest in Yanis Hadji Joe Rebo will probably attract interest just because of how good these, how good these guys are and people maybe still see Rangers as a a team where you can go and pick up, uh, pick up talent. The good thing is, Rangers showed last summer they've set their pricing structure. They didn't take the first offer that came for Alfredo. Didn't take the first offer that came for Ryan Kent. They know what these guys are worth. These guys have added to their value over the course of the, over the course of the last twelve months. They've now got another campaign of European experience. They've proved that they can go course and distance and actually go and win something. It's not a case of Rangers have to sell. I only think now now's the time to if if you are going to get rid of some of these guys, if I want a better phrase, now's the time to start uh, start that process. Yeah, Alec, when you look at the, at the you know, Chris mentions the model there, and that, you know, we're, we're looking to, to buy low, sell high, and you look at 50 grand for Glen Kamara, which, you know, is, is still incredible. Um, but you would, you would, you would, you would think he would go for a decent amount. Same goes for, um, you know, Morales, Barisic, etc. If we were to lose, you know, one or two, how do you see the club 
sort of approaching that then in recruitment? Do you see it being, you know, marquee signings from, from foreign teams? A bit like, you know, uh, Kent, albeit it wasn't a foreign team, but, you know, a, a team out of Scotland, Kent, seven million, even Hollander, three and a half million, Hadji, around the three million mark. Do you see it being that sort of thing? Do you see it being a sort of English market where we're sort of looking because obviously Brexit's brought in a few complications in terms of bringing players in um, you know do you see it being a, a Joe Rebo type or is it going to be more you know home based Scottish players given the, the sort of um, homegrown sort of thing we need for, for Europe next season where yeah. do you where do you see us going I think a combination of all of the above, uh, David, and I think it's already ongoing. You know, I, I, I think we're, we're so proactive. I don't know if anybody watched the, the webinar <laughs> this week with uh, Bisgrove and uh, Ross Wilson. Uh, it was it was absolutely, you know, it's, it's like one of those things, you get, you get a greetings card, you, you see a greetings card for somebody else and you think that, oh, the, the message inside is really tacky and, you know, you can see right through, but the minute somebody sends it to you, you know, saying you're the greatest person in the world, you think, oh, that's absolutely magic. I'm the same with all this kind of corporate speak and jargon um, when it's coming from uh, Rangers. You know, I'm just like anybody else. I'm thinking, are these Muppets buying this? But I'm listening to these guys during the week and it's it's absolutely magic. It's, it's got me totally going. Um, and it's because it's been borne out by results on the park um, and the club are in such a mess uh, for so many years. Um, that it's it's just it's, it's fantastic to see and I have complete confidence that they've got the signing strategy just absolutely right we've already got Scott right in with things like that he could be the next Glenn Kamara um, I think you're right like Zabarisic especially if he's playing against England at Wembley um, in the Euros you know that's that is the number one market um, I think Conor Golson uh, Chris is right Conor Golson for him it's a in terms of players leaving um, it's a sliding scale consideration for him in terms of how many games is he going to get to play because he's a man that's wanting to catch up with that year he had out um, with, his, with his heart condition um, and what kind of levels he's playing at and I don't, the, th- the great thing Rangers have got just now um, is the Champions League we've got that that offer for, for players um, and in terms of the transfer deadline it may be you know it's you might get somebody even maybe an outside bet like Alfie who we all think is, is a way, but you know, it's it's one of those things you can say to him, look, hang on, we get through the qualifying rounds and maybe, you know, if that works, just just, just hang about permanently. I don't know. But um, I think we're in good hands. We need to, one of the things I know, for, it's, a, it's a strange thing, I'm maybe reading too much into it, but I remember there's a Cy Ferry podcast um, and he was talking to Wes Fotheringham and it was really funny, great talking about the time at Swindon together. Um, but Fotheringham was talking about when he spoke to Gerard. No, straight away um, and Stevie G said to him yeah you're a, you're a decent goalie I want to have you around as a reserve but I'll not be keeping you because I don't like you as a person you know and it's it's um, it's very telling because Wes Fothering is a lovely guy Wes Fothering was a, a great guy and a, a great pro um, totally unoffensive and you're just thinking yeah, it's because he doesn't trust his attitude and you see that today from the Rangers players that's, that, that's the thing that Gerrard's brought it's about just full on commitment guys who are crazed about playing every week and winning and giving their all um, so I think we will find we'll need a marquee signing. Um, we'll need um, maybe somebody who's you know closer to the one million mark, and then we'll have a few other players who have been sourced impeccably. Um, and and the one thing I want to know about is their attitude. Who would have known about Glenn Kamara? Who would have known Glenn Kamara was that good? Um, I certainly didn't. You know, and uh, I'm I'm quite happy with it. The, the team we have in place behind the scenes that are going about picking these guys and right up to the manager who knows the kind of personality he wants as well. So I think we'll do a bit of a, a bit of all 
uh, David will get a, a big money signing, a kind of middle money signing, and uh, maybe a few more kind of fringe players, and one of them will probably excel the same way as uh, Glenn Kamara has and I expect Scott Wright to. So no, I'm, there will be movement, but I'm quite happy. Yeah, I'll, I'll come to you both on this next this next question. I'll finish off our, our discussion about the players. But Chris, do you think straight up should Nathan Patterson go to the Euros with Scotland? Yes, that's a fairly easy answer. That one, I think. Uh, Gerard said after today, show me a better Scottish right back that's in better form than Nathan Patterson, and and I just as in, I know. Steve Clark's a big, a big fan of Stephen O'Donnell, but Nathan Patterson is is going to be a, a star for a club and country for many, many years to come. And it's now that Scotland have this chance to to get to a major finals and, and to have the have the experience of it, it would be a dereliction of duty not to have the likes of Nathan Patterson and also Billy Gilmore in, into that as well. If you want the country to progress, these guys need tournament experience. I know the. Scotland aren't going to qualify tournament after tournament and go and qualify thanks five or six. But you need guys to play at the highest level possible to have as much experience as possible. And the brightest young talents, likes of Gilmer, likes of Patterson, likes of David Turnbull, likes of Ryan Gold, these guys have to be in around the in around the squad, around the considerations for that. Uh, I, I don't think there's a better Scottish right back than Nathan Patterson at present. I know he's coming up to a, a probably facing a ban over his uh, COVID issues that might hurt him a wee bit. Uh, but the, the form that he's shown in, in the last few weeks, if he can then come back in for the last couple of games this season, pick up where he left off, there's no reason why he can't be in that, why he can't be in that squad this summer. Alec, what, what are your thoughts? 100% agree. Uh, I watched a bit of Scotland um, and we don't have anything like that at right back. And I didn't know, uh, in all fairness, what we had in Nathan Patterson until he was forced um, to play for us in rather difficult circumstances for him personally and for us as a club. Um He's been absolutely sensational. You watch him today, um, but he has that run in, in, in the first half where he, he does the, the Tavernier slalom where he's, he's scooping in and outside players. Um, should, should have perhaps put it to the back post for Alfie, but he was perfectly entitled to have a go and he had our full confidence uh, in, in having a go. I thought it was Tavernier light that we had um, with Nathan Patterson, but I think he's actually... he's. If he keeps going like this, he's got he's threatening James Tavernier for a starting spot. He's absolutely sensational and he absolutely deserves to play international football. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's, he's good going forward as he is at the back. Oh, sorry, I should, I should have said that the other way. But he's as good at the back as he is going forward. Um, even I make mistakes, Alec. See, every Rangers player made a wee mistake today. I said that earlier on, you know. So me and Stevie D were saying that earlier. Davey's all right. <laughs> uh, just before we finish up, um, Alec. I'll stay with you on this, but just a quick chat. I mean, it's the biggest story in football today, apart from Rangers beating Celtic. Um, but this European Super League thing, now, it's it's quite, you know, fitting that when we get back into the Champions League, <laughs> something like this raises its head. It's gone uh, bankrupt. <laughs> but um, what did you make of it? And, and let's let's just be, be frank, if there was something like this and we were invited to it, you know, let's let's play more devil's advocate. That's been the theme of the show tonight. So, you know, what, what do you make of it, and would you support it if Rangers joined it? Uh, if, if Rangers win it, it's the greatest idea of all time, and we are champions of the world uh, by it. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I think is that as we were saying off here beforehand, we you know we're all super hypocritical about this. We just want to know what the format is that proves who the best team in Europe is, you know, and we want to be involved in that. 
Um, but right now, it feels like a massive insult um, to everybody. I think I'm, I'm, you know, it looks at like another angling for power by the kind of uh, this group of European clubs. Um, who, I mean, I, you know how I, 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 as I told you earlier when we mentioned the Olympic Stadium in Munich, I could start rambling on and on about European club finals. It's a kind of a passion of mine. Um, but they've been, it's been kind of ever changing. The format's been ever changing. Um, but it's the one thing it's always heading towards is a deeper monopoly all the time. We're seeing the same, we're starting to see more and more, even if you're just like kind of, you take a passing interest in European finals, you'll notice that you're seeing the same teams, you know, Atletico Madrid, there's been two Madrid derbies in the space of three years in the Champions League final. Liverpool and Milan are playing each other in the final in the space of uh, two years, 2005, 2007. It's, um, it's getting more and more kind of <laughs> concentrated down to the same few clubs and they want more and more of it. Um, I'm against the whole idea uh, of a breakaway. I don't care um, about UEFA. You know them. Them talking about uh, its self-interest is just a, the biggest joke of that. That, that. that is sheer hypocrisy. You know it's actually hilarious. Um, one of the most kind of money-oriented organisations of all time. But um, I'm a traditionalist. I want I want them to stay. I want the competitions to stay the way they are just now. I've got a third European competition coming in next season, a conference. I don't know, is that is that going to take on the mantle of the Cup Winners' Cup? Does that count as a third European competition again? I'm having enough trouble with that. Um, but I don't I don't really want this, uh, the, the Super League. I think it's super enough as it is. But as you've said, we just want to know where's, where's the power at, where's the glory at, and uh, let Rangers on about it. Yeah. Chris, ju- just before we finish up, the interesting aspect about this, I mean, and it is devil's advocate, it's sort of being, it's wishful thinking that, you know, Rangers and Celtic, for instance, would get invited to something like this. But the, if, if something like this was successful, the upshot of that would be the likelihood of a bunch of other things like this popping up. And one that's always been mentioned with Scotland in mind and other, other, other countries is this sort of, you know, North Atlantic League where, you know, Scandinavian teams, uh, Belgian teams, all that kind of thing. Do you think that that would be? Is that ever going to be something that's attractive to clubs like Rangers and Celtic? I wouldn't be surprised if it came back on the agenda. I certainly, wouldn't be surprised if it did. If the old form then had a had a serious look at it. Um, much like Alec, I'm just not a fan of any of it. I don't like it. Don't want to be part of it. Uh, if you're a Rangers fan. The main thing is winning. That's what the club's all about. If Rangers did get invited to the new UEFA Super League, whatever it's going to be called, we're going to be right at the very bottom of it. We're never going to have a chance at winning it, never going to compete for anything, never going to get to the final of it, probably never going to be anywhere near the final of it just because the other teams are in it, so much more money, so much more power, all the rest of it. I just don't see the point of Rangers, Rangers being in it. I'd rather be a bigger fish in our smaller pond and actually have those thrills of winning leagues, winning cups, actually going into a European competition like the Europa League, that you actually think, we've actually got a chance here. Now, that's not to say every time you step into the qualifying rounds, you're targeting getting to the final and you're booking uh, hotel rooms in Gdansk. But in the Europa League, you know that Rangers can actually go and beat teams. They've, got, they've actually got a chance of doing, of doing fairly well in it. Champions League, I've actually lost a bit of interest in over the last two years, not just because Rangers haven't been in it, but it's just it's same old, same old. It's... There's no no competition, as, as Alex said. It's the same the same teams winning it all the time, and well, it'll be great for Rangers to be back in it and to hear that music going around about Ibrox next season. You know, you're basically there to make up my numbers. You know, if you finish third 
it's an achievement because then going actually going into a tournament, you've actually got a chance of getting to last sixteen, last eight, and after that, who knows? I'd rather just I'd rather Rangers focus the attention on establishing themselves as the as the number one team, as, as the dominant team in Scotland over the next few years, and really having a proper crack at, at Europa League. We see how impressive they've been in that competition over the last three years. I think if Gerard can keep this team together, keep it improving, keep progressing, there's no reason why Rangers can't be a, a quarter finalist every single year in, in that competition. And for me, that's that's a European format that Rangers fans should be excited about, not something that's just way, way out with our, out with our realms. Yeah, I would agree with all that. Um, that's all we've got time for tonight. So my thanks to, to Chris and uh, my thanks to Alec. Another positive day, but if it's all starting to feel a bit familiar, uh, these victories over Celtic. And it's a good feeling. Well, the champions of Scotland were in the last eight of the, the Scottish Cup, chance of a, a League and Cup double. Um, exciting times over the next few weeks. Uh, but thanks again for joining us. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe. Uh, to the podcast or give us a like on social media previous episodes tonight show all available to listen to in the usual platforms from Monday uh, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox etc um, and until next time good night